This program is a paid commercial announcement from Jacob Media Partners and does not reflect the views of WPHT or its management. The International Brotherhood of Electrical Workers, Local Union 98, is a proud sponsor of The Labor Show with J. Doc and Krause every Saturday night from 6 to 8 p.m. IBEW Local 98's highly trained and superbly skilled electricians are the best in the business, setting the highest safety standards in the electrical industry. So when you're planning your next industrial, commercial, or residential project, choose an IBEW Local 98 union contractor. Learn more at IBEW98.org. Now on Talk Radio 1210, WPHT, WPHT, HD, WOGL, HD3, Philadelphia, The Labor Show. Doc and Krause. If we don't move in our own direction, we're going to become extinct. In fact, in some cases, we're close to being extinct right now. Presented by the law offices of Pond, Lee Hockey, Giordano. Talk, listen, and speak to the region's most influential leaders. This is a special edition of The Labor Show with J. Doc, Krause, and John Doherty. The Labor Show is loaded here on Talk Radio 1210 WPHT. Three hours of the Labor Show tonight, Jay Doc, as we move into hour number two. First, we uh, thank Congressman Brendan Boyle and, of course, John Doherty uh, joining us in that first hour. Really, really good conversation about the infrastructure bill. We'll have that up on podcast right after uh, at the beginning of the week. Incredible information in that opening hour. I mean, look at look at our um, our special show tonight. Uh, Congressman Brendan Boyle, of course, John Doherty for the John Doherty Hour. Uh, now we have uh, Wendell Young, President of UFCW, 1776, and of course Ed Mooney. And then we close out with Pat Iding. It's a three-hour broadcast loaded for bear. And the topics, there's no shortage of importance on topics. So, yeah, we got a big one tonight. Let me set the stage before we introduce Wendell and bring him uh, into the conversation. Lots to talk about uh, with Wendell, including I want to get a comment from him uh, on Brent Congressman Boyle's statement uh, about unions and where they stand right now at this minute uh, in time. But first, Jay Doc, let's uh, let's do this uh, and set the stage for uh, the audience. Uh, in a recent interview uh, with Yahoo Finance, U.S. Labor Secretary Marty Walsh suggested the results of the historic union vote at at an Amazon warehouse in Alabama are imminent, meaning those results have reached a point where we will know uh, whether or not that effort and that organizing drive uh, was a success. How big it is, how anxious we are uh, for those, and with that uh, sort of a segue or sort of a lead up. Let's bring in uh, Wendell Young, who joins us here uh, on the Labor Show. Wendell, thank you much, man, for coming on. I know it's a holiday weekend, uh, and I know we're late because of the NCAA game one, uh, but appreciate you coming on. Well, listen, thanks for inviting me tonight. I uh, really appreciate you uh, taking the time to do that. Thanks. Uh, it's our pleasure, Wendell, and, and you know we're going to get right into it. Um, the things that are going on in Alabama, first I want to kind of set the table in regards to what these workers are going through. Okay, so um, the, guy who or, the guy who started the organizing campaign, his name is Daryl Richardson. Okay, he talks about some of the things that these individuals are going, going through. Uh, one of them is when they go to bed at night, he's got to be in at 7.15 every morning. 
but they actually may switch his time, his start time, in the middle of the night. So he always has to be looking at the app. So he may find out at 4.30 in the morning that he's he's starting at 6.15, an hour early. If he's late, he gets docked. Bathroom breaks. They get they they get uh, uh, they they may be able to go to a bathroom break if they're too long they get docked if they miss the they, so they have bots there and if they miss their turn with the bot they get docked if they go to the bathroom and that bathroom like he says sometimes is out of order they got to go down a store of a floor and they're and they're late coming back up they get docked again it's absolutely inhumane uh, sometimes uh, you know. It, 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 they're going through these these situations if they're not six feet apart and we understand and they're doing the best they can to, to social distance they get docked i mean talk about that situation because it's inhumane well for, first let, let me address what you're bringing up and then i want to expand a little bit um what you hear going on in this amazon plant is not unique to amazon the issues uh there are are around treatment of people generally and the schedules that you just described. They also uh, track the movement of workers during the day. And if you're not moving and handling product a certain amount of time, uh, there's a a lapse. They also get docked time for that. Um, Now, that may not be your fault. That could be something in a conveyor. um, A conveyor got shut down or products not available to handle. But if the technology they have monitoring, monitoring you as an employee says that you are not, you know, actively in motion and handling product for a certain amount of time, then you also get docked. And, and it works both ways. They, they, they could get called in earlier on very little notice or called in later or sent home in the middle of the day. They have no control over their life. They have no idea day to day. And literally, within a few hours uh, throughout a day, how long they're going to be working, what time they're going to be working, what time they start and they finish. It's, there's a reason they have to hire so many people constantly to deal with the turnover. Now, Amazon brags and says, oh, we're paying everybody at least $15 an hour, and, and uh, these are great jobs, and they have you know, benefits and all that. But when you have so much control over a person's life, minute to minute, hour to hour, every day and the person has no life out they can't they can't plan anything they can't go anywhere they can't do anything because they're they're just so locked into this if you don't show up you're going to get uh penalized in some way um so what i also want to talk about is you know there's a lot of people watching us here 5800 uh people were sent ballots uh, it's a it's a you could do a whole three-hour show on this alone you know this is a company it's what one of the, the wealthiest people on the planet that uh, owns this company, uh, one of the most profitable uh, companies, especially with this pandemic, when so many people went to Amazon for all the things they need during a pandemic that they couldn't get at the shopping centers and the malls. And then you, you see this drama that's played out over uh, some of the principles of the company and how much money they have and how much wealth they've accumulated. And people think about how they're being treated um, I think that's one of the reasons why this is happening at Amazon. But what's happening at Amazon is not unique to Amazon. And in this election, people are saying, oh, this is going to be a, a, a testament of whether labor's got a chance to, to come back or not. I, I think the fact that there is an election um, proves that case, uh, that workers have had enough and they're willing to do this. Because it, it may take 
more than one effort um, at more than one of these plants to succeed. This company has been pulling out every dirty trick in the book to um, dissuade people from voting uh, to be represented by the union. And, 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 and it's well documented. You know, they, they hired um, uh, you know, very anti-union consultants and lawyers. They really intimidated these people. They, they were very threatening towards them. They created mm-hmm. fake uh, social media accounts to, to, to uh, again, bully and intimidate people into and mislead people over information about the union or about being in the union or not being in a union. You know, if you can't run with, with the truth, then, then, then it's very suspect. And they, they've not been honest and truthful and transparent throughout this whole process. You know, they tried to block the election from even happening, this mail ballot election, um, at a time when the National Labor Relations Board felt it wasn't safe to have an in-person election because of the pandemic. Um, they will do anything they can to try and prevent these people from having a voice. And the fact that, that these workers were able to get enough signatures under the, the, the much weakened, you know, Trump board, uh, National Labor Relations Board, and bring this to an election and get a mail election is a huge victory in itself. So regardless of the outcome, these people have taken a huge first step. Um, they, they've, they've made a lot of progress and they have something to build on. Now, even if the votes come out in favor of the union, it's not over yet. I mean, they're, this is they're, they're, based on what this company's done up to now, they're going to fight and contest every ballot they can. Uh, what we just saw happen in our national elections with uh, protesting ballots and trying to change election results, that's what this company's going to do. You mark my words, you watch it. And then they're going to appeal it to Washington because that'll drag things out and delay things. But thank God we have Joe Biden in office now. And he's making changes. He got rid of the chief counsel that Trump appointed, and he's uh, he's going to make some other board appointments there, so we can you know dispense with some of the nonsense and let these people's voices be heard. Um, so I'm I'm very optimistic. No matter what the vote count comes out to, I'm very optimistic because this has sent a message to people at the uh, roughly 800 uh, fulfillment centers around the country that you can you can get a, your voice heard. And you you can achieve representation. You can beat Amazon and 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 be able to have workplace democracy and be represented. And 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 Wendell, uh, what's on the line here is possibly, from what I understand, is uh, at at all the other centers across the country, they're 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 watching this too because uh, obviously what happens in Alabama opens the door up for, obviously, you know, a number of other facilities and, where the same stuff ex- is going on. That's exactly the point I was just making about the 800 facilities around the country. And, you know, it's not limited to here. If you've been watching globally, Amazon, you know, it, it just shows the, the rotten philosophy of this company because, you know, you just had workers in Germany um, on strike, you had workers in Italy on strike. And, and if you look at the reasons for those strikes, it's the same reasons – that these workers in Alabama took a stand and pushed for an election to be represented by a union. In, in Japan, United Kingdom, Italy, um, Germany, and other European countries, they are unionized. And recently there's been strikes in a number of those countries over the same exact issues. So this isn't something, don't let anybody fool you, say this is unique to Amazon at this plant. There's, there's 800 plants in the U.S. or facilities, fulfillment facilities. You know, this is just one. No, this is a global attitude of Amazon's. I'll localize it for you, J-Doc. And uh, Wendell, I can share 
about a colleague who worked locally in Harleysville, okay? Same issue. Doesn't work there anymore. Same, uh, same issue. Docked for the six-foot rule if it was accidental that, was not, that he was not uh, within the six-foot rule. Sudden shift change where he was working 5 to 10.30 uh, and then it was 2.30 to 1 p.m. on the spot. And, so, and, and, so those examples are as real here as they are there, as Wendell said, and, and, this is a big deal. Well, and, and you can understand why they do it. They're such a Mickey Mouse, small little company. They're worth like like uh, almost a trillion dollars. Number one, it's corporate greed at its absolute most disgusting. That's number one. And weren't they? And and Wendell, if I'm incorrect, um, weren't was it wasn't uh, Amazon one of the one, big employers in the country that where people were, were complaining that they, they weren't they didn't have the PPE. They were making their workers work without the PPE for the longest time during this whole thing. Yes, it was. And, and you saw how Amazon responded to that. They, they went to television with ads to convince their, their consumers and the public at large that they were a good corporate um, uh, uh, actor and were looking out for their employees when the exact opposite was happening in these plants. Uh, the, the complaints about Amazon are, are, are well known all across the country. You know, you just gave an example of a colleague of yours. I think all of us know someone who worked, or more than one person, that worked in one of these facilities and didn't stay long because it was such a horrible place to work. Wendell Young joining us here as we kick off hour number two of the three-hour edition, J-Doc, of the Labor Show here on this Easter holiday weekend. Wendell, of course, the president of UFCW 1776. We're going to take a short commercial break. We got we have one segment left with Wendell. I know you want to get into the PRO Act. We'll talk about that uh, on the other side. Wendell, please stay with us. We'll take a commercial break here on the Labor Show on Talk Radio 1210 WPHD. Hello, everybody. This is Ben Hartranft here. Listen, I just wanted to give a big special thank you to Governor Tom Wolf. Uh, thank you for supporting the cause on World Autism Awareness Day by wearing blue. Also, April is Autism Awareness Month. And um, I just wanted to let everybody know that um, having autism is not a bad thing and it doesn't characterize who we are. Everyone is unique and special, just like a rainbow. A special message from Ben, and a thank you, uh, Ben, for that message, and thank you to uh, Governor Wolf. And as we talked about, J-Doc, in that opening hour, uh, April is Autism Awareness Month. And as we uh, come on the air, uh, this uh, to kick off uh, the beginning of April, uh, we thank Ben uh, for his message. By the way, he's accomplished uh, convincing Governor Wolf uh, to wear blue, which Governor Wolf wore uh, on Friday. Ben has now set his sights uh, on the president, President Joe Biden, uh, to see if he will accommodate him during Autism Awareness Month. So all good stuff. And again, a special thanks to Ben for sending in that message. I wanted to play that. Oh, it's beautiful, man. Um, uh, we're talking to Wendell Young and um, one of the things I wanted to talk about is the PRO Act because the PRO Act is, goes hand-in-hand hand with what's going on in Alabama. Um, and, and, Wendell, you mentioned some of the intimidation uh, you know, factors that are going on there and all these crazy things. If you would elaborate on the PRO Act and how important it is and how it would actually change the game for individuals in the positions 
uh, that the workers in Alabama are in? Well, first, it's important to understand that in this country, workers do not any longer have a free um, and, and, and unencumbered right to um, organize into a union. If you read the national, if you read the National Labor Relations Act, it, it, it talks about how the government should help support and and cultivate uh, an environment to uh, encourage unionization. It, it talks about how employers are to stay out of the process and not to influence the process and re, and and it's a, it's the workers' right uh, to freely choose without any interference or, or un, un, unfair influence from the employer. However, over the many years since it was passed, a lot of uh, court decisions and administrative law decisions have watered down the uh, National Labor Relations Act. And so what the PRO Act will do is restore those rights for workers. There's a, a lot to it, but like some of the, the, high, the uh, top lines would be this. Um, you know, in a number of states right now, in, in uh, more than two dozen states, if workers want to opt out of the union, they can, yet they're still covered by the union contract. And the union still has to represent them. Um, and, and they don't have to pay a penny into the union uh, for doing that. You know, these unions aren't the Red Cross, and, and uh, these people are freeloaders who do that. So Act would restore the right to the union to be compensated for the work they do for those people who, who may not want to join the union but still are getting all the benefits that the union provides, and, um, and that would uh, level the playing field for the, for the unions. Uh, the next, and by the way, in those states, the employers often actively encourage people to get out of the union to further weaken the union, so the employer has a stronger hand at the bargaining table and at the grievance table and in every other way. Another area that the PRO Act would help um, remedy things is about the un, 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 uh, the influence and interference uh, that uh, employers uh, currently uh, enjoy uh, exercising and. So the PRO Act would eliminate that. It would uh, make it, uh, uh, it would be absolutely forbidden for company-sponsored, you know, uh, captive audience meetings uh, with mandatory attendance and, um, and a lot of the other illegal activities that, that, um, that, that currently goes on. Um, because, as I said earlier, the, the wall has been watered down over many decades. So um, the part of that is also about casting ballots. Now, you know, uh, up until now, Elections have almost always been on the employer's workplace, and and so employers spend a lot of time with consultants and and attorneys figuring out who's for the union, who's against it. So if if you if you believe your employer has a good idea where you're at because of the the way they uh, they surveil people and uh, and and get information out of your coworkers about you and other coworkers, then if you're inclined to vote for the union, you show up to vote. In the, in the employer's facility, they assume you're voting for the union, and they've likely already fired some other people for pro-union activities, so people don't show up to vote. And, and what happens is the no votes show up, and they show up in big numbers. And the people supporting the union are afraid to show up. So what's, what, that's what's really relevant about this whole Amazon election. It's not being done on the employer's premises. That's what Amazon was fighting. They were fighting to make sure that election happened on their premises so they could eyeball you walking in there in the vote, and, and you didn't want them to think you were voting for the union, right? So what the PRO Act is going to do is take the election out of the workers' work, out of the employer's workplace. Um, another area um, 
has to do with um, once union, once workers do form a union, often employers will stall at the bargaining table and never reach an agreement. And the PROACT will remedy that by requiring uh, arbitration and mediation in the event that there's a stalemate reached to ensure that a first contract's achieved. Um, it would also prevent employers, the PROACT would prevent employers from using an employee's immigration status to intimidate them and scare them. Um, and it would also establish monetary penalties, not just for the companies, but the executives of those companies who violate workers' rights. Right now, there's no penalty. You know, it's very commonplace. Employers fire a couple of union supporters uh, to send a message to chill the union effort uh, and scare everyone else uh, by holding their jobs over their heads. Under the PRO Act, this would, this would directly, personally, uh, make the executives of the company liable for this and face financial and other penalties. So there, that's just a, a, about a half dozen things that the PRO Act will do. Um, there, there's more to it than that, but, but there's, there's some of the, the biggies. Wendell Young with us here on The Labor Show. Wendell, just a couple of minutes left before uh, we let you resume uh, with your uh, Saturday night. I did want to get you to, if you will, um, and I don't know if you had a chance to hear Congressman Brendan Boyle in that opening I did hour. Not. I'm sorry. Um, uh, and J. Doc, uh, help me. I'm going to paraphrase um, what Brendan Boyle, uh, the statement that Brendan Boyle made. So if I, if I'm not 100 percent clear with clarity, please jump in. But I want Wendell to comment on it. Um, Brendan uh, Boyle, uh, in his opinion, uh, stated that he felt today was the best there was the best vibe for pro union in the last 50 years well he mentioned it was the first time a a president actually uh, you know speaks and and promote and and is promoting the unions directly so i mean i agree i agree with what brendan what what congressman boyle said i'm sorry no brendan a long time um I, i i completely agree with him in fact it's not just an opinion. And, it's, and, and Biden is doing a, a, a great job at making sure he, he points out every chance he gets about how unions built this country, union workers built this country, and good union jobs made this country better, built a better uh, um, uh, middle class, people with decent wages and benefits and retirement security and income and job security, all those things. And as, as unionization has declined because of some things we talked about earlier, um, the way the law has uh, uh, pretty much watered down workers' rights to organize unions, as that's happened, the middle class has gotten smaller, and our our and, and the economy for workers, people that work for a living, has not been that great. You know, there's there's people doing really well during the, this in in the good and bad times in this economy. Um, you know, the, those those top ten percent are doing great, but those people that have to punch a time clock and go to work or swipe a card these days, they usually don't punch time clocks. It hasn't been that great. You know, real wages have stagnated. Benefit costs have have made it very difficult to have a decent benefit plan to cover your family. So they have uh, benefit insecurity, and they have retirement insecurity. Biden's done a lot to help um, remind people, you know, who built the middle class, who brought you the weekend, who made safe workplaces. And he's, and he's making moves to help reinforce that, in terms of his appointees and his um, uh, uh, policies that he's promulgating, um, and look at look at this uh, um, stimulus bill that was just passed. 
When in our lifetimes can you remember whether it was a, a budget, a presidential budget or a, a stimulus bill that went entirely to workers and their families? Entirely. Not a penny for anybody else. For workers and their families. And the infrastructure bill, even better. So Congressman Boyle's right. The polling in, in recent years has had a very favorable view um, of, of unions and what they do for workers and, and working families. And, and Biden's helping push that even further. So I think he's 100 percent right. And we have some great opportunities here to help lift our nation's workers to a better quality of living and a better standard of living and a more secure retirement. And we're going to do everything we can to, to help our president achieve that. Uh, Wendell Young, President UFCW, 1776. Uh, thank you for joining us, number one. Thank you for doing what you do every day for the thousands of uh, members that you, uh, that, that, that you support and that you uh, work for. And uh, thanks for what you do for our union community. Uh, and have a great Easter, my friend. Well, you guys have a great holiday. It's great joining you tonight. And uh, be safe. Uh, good stuff with Wendell Young as he joins us here on a Saturday night. We've been doing this radio show, J. Doc, for seven-plus years. I finally feel as though statements like that, explanations the way Wendell put it, a statements from Congressman Boyle, I finally feel that the union, that the value of the union, is of unions, is being realized. Well, between the president— I can't tell you how— Great, I feel about I mean, that. Well, between the president and the labor show, we're getting it done, <laughs> Thank you very much, <laughs> uh, We'll get to a commercial break here uh, on the labor show. We're just getting started here on hour number two. Uh, Ed Mooney will be along. We'll dial back into um, a portion of that infrastructure bill. We'll pick it up with Ed back in a moment. Portions of tonight's edition of The Labor Show are sponsored by Sprinkler Fitters Local 692, Iron Workers Local 405, and Steam Fitters Local 420. We're going to try to work with Republicans in a bipartisan way to find solutions to what really is not working. And back here on The Labor Show with J-Doc and Krause, hour number two of the three-hour special. Don't forget, coming up 10 to 11 o'clock tonight, J-Doc goes one-on-one with the president of the AFL-CIO. Pat Eiding should be a fascinating uh, one hour of conversation. Hour number three, can you believe this, J-Doc? We've made it to doing three hours of The Labor Show uh, on a Saturday night, and all conversation leading up to this point has been um, meaningful, um, uh, very informative for the listening audience, and just a real, real good well, it's, snapshot it's the, of everything that's going it, on. Right, exactly, and it's the insiders look really at the highest level, and uh, our next guest is no exception, of course, and we have an international vice president, Ed Mooney, uh, of Communication Workers of America, CWA, and uh, Ed does a great job, and we're going to talk about, uh, obviously, the infrastructure mm-hmm. bill. Yeah, we spent that good first hour uh, with John Doherty and Congressman Brendan Boyle uh, starting to break down some of those uh, details that are included in the two to three trillion dollar proposal that President Biden delivered uh, Wednesday uh, in western Pennsylvania out in uh, Pittsburgh. Uh, Ed Mooney, one hundred billion dollars to expand high speed broadband across the entire country was part 
of that two to three trillion dollar uh, proposal. And thank you for coming on. I wanted you to be able to come on to the show tonight and talk uh, at length or in depth, uh, you know, about um, the infrastructure bill that was proposed specific to that. Right. Thanks, Jay, Doc, and Krause. I appreciate uh, being with you tonight. And uh, I hope everybody has a wonderful Easter weekend. So uh, as, far, as far as the broadband build-out goes, and obviously, you know, this is just a proposal, but, you know, th- this money is needed, especially with the pandemic. The last time I was on here with you guys, um, I was talking about that. There are still many areas of this country that are not up to date with you know, what the latest available technology is. And, um, you know, it, unfortunately, in order to build out something like this and keep it consistent across the nation, it takes a massive investment. Uh, in some cases, I wish the employers themselves would have been responsible over the last three to four decades in investing what they were supposed to and building out, um, as well as, the, you know, the regulations and the regulators who were supposed to be there overseeing it which unfortunately for the rest of us didn't happen. Uh, and of course, as uh, is many times the case in this country, now when it becomes a crisis, the government has to step up and help out. So uh, we're looking forward to the bill, hopefully making its way uh, through the legislative process intact. Obviously, there'll be lots of um, changes and, and uh, other people vying for those kinds of funds, but we're hoping in the end Um, There's enough of it to build out broadband to every uh, area of the nation so that people have the same access to the technology that's being developed. So so, um, Congressman Boyle had mentioned that Speaker Pelosi um, had a goal of the July 4th weekend uh, for the for the actual passage of the bill, which is, um, you know, relatively soon. Uh, Ed, how does this impact our region in particular? What areas uh, of broadband um, we're you know pretty well equipped here, but uh, how does this impact us in particular? So there'll be multiple facets of it for us. And even, you know, Jay Doc, as much as we think we're well equipped here, we are in the five county area, Philadelphia and the surrounding counties. But as you get further into Lehigh County and up through the Poconos and all across Route 80, there are huge swaths of the state of Pennsylvania that still need fiber build-out in order for them to bring the next evolution uh, of the Internet and the next upgrade of technology to all of those um, customers' homes and businesses. Um, And obviously, you take Pennsylvania and look at all the other states that are in a similar situation, New Jersey even. Um, And at one point, you had a commitment from Verizon in New Jersey that they would build out the whole state. Then they actually went back to the legislature a few years ago and asked to be relieved of that commitment, and they were. So there are large pockets throughout the country um, that need it. Also, right here in the area, and I know we spoke about this last time I was on, not only do, even if it's built out, you then need to make sure that it's consistently accessible for everyone. Look at all the people we just had who left from working in their in work and had to go home due to the pandemic, you know, many people with the wages and benefits they make in, in a lot of jobs today don't have enough money to have high-speed internet video and all this stuff at home, right? It's, it's a big expense, um, you know, a large part of your budget. And if you're working, you know, a minimum wage job or even a uh, 
somewhere in that range, it's difficult to afford it. So with this investment and the and the build out, hopefully there's also some component that makes it more affordable for those who need that um, that affordable and that accessibility. Talk about jobs, Ed. Um, you know, as far you know, with 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 this kind of investment and almost like a partnership with um, with the government, with the you know, with the plan. Um, how does that impact us, and particularly the CWA with jobs? So you know, the, the hiring remains to be seen. I guess they'll figure that out because right now, honestly, the, the government has many programs out there um, that the incumbent carriers in each of the areas aren't forced to take. Um, I know Verizon is one of them that uh, they don't get they don't take advantage of the government funding because it may come with some other strings attached, um, such as if they are the ones that build out the network, maybe they need to let other competitors on there. So all that stuff needs to um, be analyzed, and hopefully they can do this in a way where all of the carriers will access the money and will build it out. Obviously, with that comes not only the creation of jobs currently, but it also allows the workforces to turn over. You know, you have decade after decade of this evolving technology. And, you know, when I started here a few, you know, it was a few decades ago, I thought I was one of the younger, you know, I was one of the younger guys. And now, you know, I'm at the tail end of my career. So it, it allows the workforces to turn over from generation to generation with investments like this. So it'll be, you know, kids coming out of high school now, who are maybe looking and saying, you know what, maybe college is not the right thing for me. With If this bill passes in July, somebody who graduates high school this May or June, they're not going to have to worry or face that fear of, I could be unemployed for five to six years, three to four years, right? They're going to know that there's an opportunity. Listen, if, you're, if you have the ability to go on to college and do that stuff, that's wonderful. But we're not all cut out for that. And, and for kids who are mechanically inclined or want to get into this technology, you can learn it at an employer, implement it on a job. It's a great path to a good middle-class lifestyle, and it helps everybody turn this over and build out this infrastructure as well. So um, now, it's a win-win in my opinion. In, in, in the um, in a high-speed broadband uh, area, um, is it right to expect that these jobs are going to be union jobs? And, and you know, are you guys, you know, we get this money. Um, what, what does it look for our union look like for our union workforce? Again, in, you know, in the Northeast here, we we have some, we still have some pretty good leverage uh, with employers. Many of them, and most, if not uh, many, I would say, are unionized. So it would help grow those union jobs. And also, if that money's coming in, and with the rest of the changes in the Biden administration, if workers do want to join a union, with the changes being proposed to the National Labor Relations Act and the PRO Act, right. then there's a good chance that this work will be performed union, which then avoids us having to go back 5, 10, 15 years down the road and say we have to do something for these workers who now, if the job's done, if, this, if the stimulus runs out or if the investment runs out, what are we going to do? Well, if they had a union and they were negotiating during that time, chances are they were able to adjust to those realities. Chocolate. So we believe most of it should and would be done union, and we're hoping that's going to be the case. And talking in a conversation with Ed Mooney, International Vice President, CWA. Ed, if you just give me 
um, some clarity, and I'm asking for myself, and just I want to make sure that the audience understands a statement that you made um, uh, to the previous question. Um, when you say, or and I guess you reference it as carriers may or may not take the funds or utilize the dollars that are available. That's by their choice. Is that what you mean? They don't want that, or I'm confused on that. Yeah, no. It's in fact, you know, there there are programs out there right now. In fact, that um, throughout states that I'm responsible for, the incumbent carrier, one of them being Verizon, um, federal dollars are available, but based on the requirements or restrictions, those federal dollars come with the employers choose not to access them. We try to encourage them to access them so that we get the build out. But this has been the case over the last, I'd say, decade or so, maybe two. Um, many of them do access them, but there are examples where they don't. Um, because remember, even after they access it and then they build it out, that gives them a recurring obligation to maintain it if they don't think they can get the customer base on there. Um now, they're, now, after deregulation, when they broke up the telephone company back in 1984, which seems like three lifetimes ago, um, now sure. you don't have the same concentration of customers at each one of these companies, right? Competition's been good, but also once you build this stuff out, you need the density of the customers on those networks to keep it viable, right? And th- there's a whole range of uh, reasons you know, we don't always agree with it, but we have to do something like this infrastructure investment to make sure that we get this technology to all the reaches of the country and many of the rural ones that still do not have it now. Um, you'd be amazed. I mean, you guys notice if you've driven from one end of Pennsylvania to another. I was just going to say that. that. Would- extension, you have spots that are spotty, so. Yeah, no, I was going to say that going up Route 80, if you're, you know, literally uh, you're halfway through, you got about a 40, 30, 40 mile stretch where, you know, you can't get on any phones or anything, which does right. seem primitive. It's, uh, Ed, I was going to say uh, before we go, what a difference an election makes. Am I right? Yes, that is correct. You know, we have now, we have uh, brighter days ahead. And again, this bill still has a long way to go, but. You know, an infrastructure bill has been talked about as a bipartisan effort. So um, in the other areas, and, and uh, we now have a, a secretary of labor who comes from a union uh, background and union family, the former mayor of Boston. Um, so, you know, we got lots of things are looking up and we hope now that they, both sides realize, you know, we, we are so far behind in investing in our transportation infrastructure, our electric grids. Look at, you know, we look like, Look at the problems we have when we have states like Texas that have a power out as it impacts, you know, almost an entire state of millions and millions of people in 2021. Really? Right. In the United yeah. States of America. Right. And it's all because we haven't reinvested. Right. We have got, remember we had the tragedy here in Amtrak several years ago, you know, making a turn in northeast Philadelphia um, that was deadly. It, you know, other nations are, you know, just think of this. In the United States, we're putting in technology to slow a train down going around a turn. In other nations, they're building new rails to help them speed up around those things, right? So 
every, in every sector of our economy, we have lacked investment over the last four or five decades. And hopefully both sides can come together now because the only way we're getting out of this in the situation we're in, especially coming out of the pandemic, we have to be able to put people back to work and put them back to work on something that's not going to go into the pockets of just business owners, but it's going to create things that will carry us for the next 40 or 50 years by investing in ourselves. That's how we got to what we were as a nation, and we need to get back to that. Great stuff from Ed Mooney, who's joining us here. Ed, 60 seconds before um, I let you return and resume to your Saturday night, I just want to get a thought from you um, as you sit here and you watch the story unfold in Alabama at the Amazon warehouse, the fight, the struggle, the battle to get to a union vote, the results imminent and expected soon, um, but all of the stories and all that has played out. I'd love to get your perspective on it. Yeah, what a tremendous boost it will, this will be to the labor movement. If a group of workers in Birmingham, Alabama, lead the largest union organizing drive in 2021 after the Biden administration's election. So, you know, those workers have tremendous energy, and you're also going to get to see what it's like to try to organize a union in the United States of America after the last 50 years of corporations trying to wear down the protections of workers and the rights of workers to actually cast a ballot to join a union, right? Not only in the union election, we've just seen what they tried to do to people who want to cast a vote in an election as an American citizen in the state of Georgia and other states. So I think this is going to be a good snapshot for everyone in this country to realize if you want to, you're entitled to a voice on the job in the workplace. And and if these workers in Alabama, which we believe they will, um, show up and step up and lead the way in this, to us, it's a sign of tremendous opportunities in organizing in the labor movement across the country um, that will be led from a southern right-to-work state. Not, nothing better to show a comeback in the labor movement than that. Wow, great stuff. Awesome. I mean, you couldn't recap uh, or state that any better. Ed Mooney joining us here tonight uh, a little bit later than uh, expected on the labor show. Ed Mooney, uh, international VP CWA. Uh, thank you much, man. I appreciate it, sir. Thank you, Jay, Doc, and Krause. I hope everyone has a wonderful Easter weekend and be safe. Thank you, Ed. Right back at you. Right back at you, Ed Mooney. Uh, We'll take a – what should I do here, Phil? Take a short two-minute break and then come back on the other side? All right, so we'll take a short two-minute break. Jay, Doc, and I will be back on the other side to wrap it up. Back in a moment. Portions of tonight's edition of The Labor Show with J. Doc and Krause are presented by DC 33, Local 1637, News Guild 10, and IBEW Local 98. Choose an IBEW Local 98 union contractor when planning your next project. I'm back here on The Labor Show, hour number two, uh, just about uh, in the stall. Hour number three, though, J-Doc, coming up one-on-one with the president of the AFL-CIO, Pat Eiding. Tell us a little bit about your conversation. I mean, it was a fascinating conversation, obviously, always with Pat. He's on the pulse of everything throughout the Delaware Valley. Um, he's as, as real as it gets, and, and it's the fastest hour in radio. And just a reminder for you as we come to a close, and we only have a couple of minutes left, and I'll give you opportunity to kind of recap uh, these uh, first two hours. Um, just a reminder, I have a real treat for you tonight. Whoa. Uh, when you roll out of the studio uh, from <laughs> Chev's Cobasa, uh, J-Doc, uh, up in Port Richmond, awesome. the absolute best. Can't wait. 
in America, J-Doc. I cannot uh, wait. And it is a tradition uh, like no other, um, and you will get an opportunity to enjoy cannot that. Cannot wait. You'll never uh, make it tomorrow. home. <laughs> so, <laughs> tomorrow, brother. That thing's going to be going <laughs> 15 minutes. Uh, uh, no. Back to close it up, though. Good stuff from Great Ed show. Mooney and a, and a lot. Uh, uh, we covered a lot of ground. Yeah, I mean, from hour one with Congressman Brendan Moore to John Dockery hour, unbelievable. And then uh, Ed Mooney, uh, CWA vice president, national vice president, and, and then of course Wendell Young. I mean, unbelievable stuff. And of course, can't wait for Pat Iden coming up. All right, all good stuff here on a Saturday night. Three hours, three hours of the labor show. On Talk Radio 1210 WPHD. That's going to do it for hour number one and hour number two of the Labor Show. On behalf of John Doherty, on behalf of J-Doc, on behalf of our producer Phil in the studio, I'm Joe Krause. See you next time, everybody.